back to Cut for Time, a podcast of Faith Church on the north side of Indianapolis. I am your host, Claire Kingsley, and uh, we are going to host our pastors on this podcast this week and next week. We hear from them through short social media videos or through sermon discussions, but when we do, they usually have, they're wearing that pastor hat, um, and I think everyone is eager to hear from Jeff and Joey, just um, on a personal level, how they're doing, what's their new normal. And so this week we are going to just talk with our friend, not pastor right now, Jeff Schultz. Oh, hey guys. Thanks. I'm glad to know I'm your friend, Claire. Yeah, everyone would call you a friend. I'm even, I'm even wearing a cardigan today, sort of like Mr. Rogers. Very friendly. Um, so Jeff, Everyone I know is eager to hear about how you're doing right now, health-wise, now that you've gone through the experience of um, the coronavirus. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Uh, I thankfully did not have a real severe case of coronavirus. I really only had uh, fever and coughing for about four days. And when I initially went in to get tested, even uh, the doctor wasn't convinced that I had coronavirus. They ruled out flu and said, well, your lungs sound fine. You don't, you're not totally symptomatic. We'll run, give you the test anyway. So I went home and, you know, just felt horrible for the next four days or so. But um, since then, it's been slowly recovering. And I'm, you know, right now, probably about 85% of normal, I would say. Uh, Again, the disease wasn't real horrible in terms of the direct effects. I'm very thankful for that, but it really wiped me out in terms of energy, and it's taken me some time to sort of get back to feeling myself again. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff, you said you just said that it wasn't such a severe case of the virus, and yet when um, you were talking with Anne Marie Shambosh, she did an interview with you for the current. And you said it felt like you were having a heart attack. So I feel like those things are <laughs> don't go hand in hand. Well, uh, so the, the day when, like it was a Tuesday morning, I remember I woke up and uh, that's when I just clearly had fever and chills and I'd had a horrible night. And, and I got up to just like walk across the room and all of a sudden it was like, my legs almost buckled and I thought I was going to pass out because I was like, I couldn't get enough breath and I really thought I was going to collapse and like hit my head on the floor. Mm. So yeah, there was just like this very severe fatigue, uh, which yeah, for the next four or five days, uh, yeah, I just didn't feel up to doing anything except lying in bed and coughing miserably. Um, but it's not like I had trouble breathing. Uh, I never was, you know, in a severe enough case to like need to go to the hospital or go to the emergency room or anything like that. And, you know, the reality is, I mean, there are people my age and younger that don't survive this disease. So, yeah, I, I mean, as far as a disease goes, it was uh, a little intense in the first four or five days. But as far as like the relative severity, over the whole course of it, um, I, I, I didn't have that bad of a case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
so Jeff, while you were, um, right before you got sick, you saw your dad and visited your dad. And, um, of course you're around your family. So how are all of those people doing you yeah. were in contact with? Did anyone else get sick? Yeah. The short answer is thankfully no. Although we're sort of wondering if maybe Isabel had a very, very mild case. We, you know, we don't know. She had fever for a day. Mm -hmm. um, but like no other real symptoms. Um, my brother and I had gone up to see our dad the week before uh, I came down with the symptoms. And so it, he and my stepmom didn't come down with coronavirus. We don't know if, you know, maybe we went into a couple of stores like a Walgreens and a Whole Foods while we were there. And I went to the grocery store when I came back after visiting him. So we don't know, you know where the virus came from specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Amelia didn't really get, Amelia just refuses to get sick. That's, you know, it's like a power I think a lot of women have. Like moms just say, well, I can't get sick, so I won't. Just by sheer uh, power of will. <laughs> yeah, that's, she just tells the virus no, and it usually works. Uh, men are weaker, I think. So, uh, yeah, nobody in the house really came down with it. I know my brother that traveled up with me to see, we went up to see our dad. Uh, he didn't come down with anything. So again, thank the Lord that it doesn't seem to have really affected other people that I've been around. Right. Yeah. That's something that I know everyone was praying for is for your, yeah. your well-being and then also for everybody that was around you, you know, your family. And so that's really good to hear. Well, yeah, sure. Because part of the weird reality of you know any disease but i think especially this one is you realize this is serious and you know you're already feeling terrible and then then the mental emotional part of like oh my gosh you know i hope i don't how horrible will i feel if i end up passing this on to someone else because i feel miserable and i certainly don't want other people to feel like this and especially not anyone like you know my dad in his mid-80s who's not in great health like mm -hmm. So there was even like a weird uh, emotional part of this disease too, where I wasn't sure that I had the disease, but I'd been tested, but I didn't have the results back yet. And so do I say something to my dad like, hey, maybe I have the disease and maybe you were exposed, but I don't know. So just worry for a couple of days until we get the test results back. So that was a whole other weird emotional component that you know, you don't have with just, oh, I've got the flu or I've got a head cold. Mm -hmm. Talk about a little bit more about your experience with the virus and how your family responded. Um, did they leave meals at a door that you were confined to? And I guess what yeah. were some of the procedures that you guys had to put in place? Uh, yeah, that kind of was it. Uh, they said, you know, if you can, you should have your own quarantine sick room and if possible, a bathroom that nobody else is using. And fortunately, we had a setup. We have a setup like that in our house. So uh, Amelia was not real happy that I came home and took over our guest room, which is also her sewing room. So, uh, but that became my quarantine room and I just lived in there for about four or five days. And yeah, Amelia would poke her head in the door just, you know, every once in a while to find out, do you need anything? You know, does this sound good to eat? And yeah, then would place meals, you know, sort of near the entrance to the room. And then I'd have empty plates. And it was hard for me at times not to, you know, sneak out just to get out of the room every once in a while, like 
take the place of the kitchen. And Amelia said, you're really not making us comfortable when you come out of the room. So, okay, it was hard. Uh, but yeah, uh, so washing your hands all the time and uh, yeah, and trying to avoid contact, being around other people, uh, having a bathroom that nobody else is using and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, all those kind of isolation procedures. Yeah. And then in the meantime, I'm just, you know, kind of lying in bed and feeling crummy. And then as they start getting better, just feeling really bored mm -hmm. uh, and wanting to get out and do things. But of course, I didn't really feel up to it. But you're just sort of going a little stir crazy. And then again, you know, some of the other emotional parts of it, like, uh, man, I, I know people at church want to know how I'm doing. But there's also this other part of me that's like, I you know, it's, I don't want to end up feeling like, okay, I'm branded with this like big scarlet C, you know, forever for coronavirus or COVID. And now people are going to keep me at arm's length. And even when we can get back together and be around one another after this quarantine, you know, are, are people going to look at me differently or weird Yeah. Uh, but because of having, you know, had this disease? Yeah. So that goes right next to my, my next question, Jeff, which is what are some of the fears or challenges that you were walking through during those few weeks? And that would be one of them. Were there any other challenges, boredom, and then just yeah. really trying to, you're aware, you're aware that this might separate or alienate you in a way. Yeah, there, there was that. There was, you know, at the same time, obviously, the concern about not wanting to pass this on to somebody else. Again, realizing it's a very serious disease and, um, you know, then feeling as well, like, just from the perspective of being a pastor, knowing that Joey and Tom and Nathan and you and others, Brittany, and I mean, the staff are having to scramble and like pick up all the stuff that I can't do and I'm not able to do. And so feeling guilty about that and wanting to check in and see how things are doing, even when people are saying like, look, what we need you to do is stay home and rest and get better. Mm -hmm. But there's, you know, there's still that part that that's hard uh, because I don't want them to be having to do everything. And I'm, I want to feel like I'm not creating an extra burden for people. And the same thing again, like with, uh, Amelia and Isabel at home, like, oh, you know, I can, I can take my things to the sink. They're like, no, we don't want you to stay in your quarantine room. So, yeah, so all those things together, um, wasn't really afraid as far as the disease itself, because again, relatively speaking, I, I didn't have a, a really bad case of, of the COVID. Uh, so I wasn't really fearful for my health, but again, still not knowing what is this going to do long-term and I mean, not even so much in terms of health, but just life and ministry and connections and the frustration of wanting to be, you know, connecting with people and doing things and sort of feeling like, well, I'm on the outside and, you know, other people are making all this stuff happen. So there was, you know, there was that weird dynamic too. Mm -hmm. Now that you're back in the full swing or 80% swing of ministry and uh, family life, what's the new normal that you and your family are starting to create? 
Yeah, well, our uh, daughter Isabel is a junior in high school, so um, the normal was going to be going on some college visits uh, last week, so that didn't happen. Uh, so she's still doing, uh, like a lot of kids, uh, school at home with uh, projects and homework and discussions over the internet. So, you know, we're still uh, engaging with that. Now that I'm recovered and out of quarantine, Isabel can actually get back to work. Uh, so she's actually thankful for that. Uh, Amelia would be working at Fox Hill Elementary in Washington Township, but she's basically kind of furloughed. Uh, so she's doing more projects around the house and actually able to do more prayer and Bible study groups, which has been great. And like a lot of people, we're still also trying to figure out the balance of uh, work and ministry and life and all those boundaries and it all kind of bleeds together. Um, so yeah, it's uh, been, it's going to be getting back into some of the more normal ministry involvement that I have. We're finishing up our budget planning for a new fiscal year, uh, looking ahead to a new sermon series, uh, planning that out and continuing to do uh, pastoral calls and follow up and connection with people in the congregation, um, talking with people in ministry teams about how they're doing and how we can help and encourage and support people in their new normal. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, we're trying to work our way through that like most people and also figuring out how can we take advantage of some of the weirdness of this season to connect with our neighbors and our community better and just ask how you're doing and yeah. how can we be praying yeah. for you? Have people taken you up on it? That, have you been able to connect with people now that and ask about prayer that you haven't been able to before? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have actually. Uh, it's been good. We've had more spiritually significant conversations with some of our neighbors. Uh, we had about four or five families that gathered around our driveway for a small neighborhood Easter service mm -hmm. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so that was really neat. We had people together singing some Easter hymns and reading the gospel passage for the resurrection from Matthew 28 and praying for our neighborhood and our community and our nation and uh, each other. And it was really good. Yeah. So Jeff, yeah. still not wearing your pastor hat. Our last <laughs> question that you typically you're used to answering, which is what's your final nugget? What do you want to leave people with? Um, I need to get one of those pastor hats. That would be helpful. I should, I should see where I could get one. So I've been, I've been started uh, as we were heading into this rereading uh, an older book by um, Christian uh, pastor, author, Henry Nowen, uh, called The Wounded Healer. Uh, and it's really kind of an exploration of um, God helping us understand and process through our own brokenness and woundedness, and then that becoming the place out of which we're able to minister to others. Um, and and Nowen writes with a very I guess, shepherding perspective, uh, I think kind of arguing that people are not necessarily looking for technical excellence as much as a caring 
shepherding presence that can help them navigate through profound issues in their lives. And a lot of that grows out of our own brokenness and weakness. So all of us have kind of been forced into this position of weakness and dependence and a lot of the distractions have been stripped away and the things that kind of, uh, you know, normally fill up our days. And now we don't know what the future holds and now we don't have all the resources in place to, you know, keep us occupied. And we're all sort of in the place of seeing our own, I guess, neediness in a sense and dependence. And I think that's a really good place that God can bring us to in this. So I'm still processing through that for myself is uh, looking at this as, yeah, it's a challenge, but also an opportunity, uh, an opportunity for God to sort of strip away some of the non-essentials and uh, out of that place of kind of vulnerability and dependence, uh, that can be precisely where God does a work in me and then through me to others. Mm-hmm. So that's a big nugget. I yeah, paragraph length nugget as usual for Pastor Jeff. <laughs> it's a great nugget. Thanks, Jeff. You guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Cut for Time. We're glad that you joined us. Next week we will interview and hear from Pastor Joey, a friend Joey Weisman, and he'll just give us an update on how their family's doing, how he's doing, and then um, he will just take us some time to. Uh, talk about our mission as a church also and just remind us to stay on mission so he'll have his hat back on for that but uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode we hope that you take the time to either leave us a review or go ahead and share this podcast with someone uh, that might not know about cut for time or that might find this information encouraging and we'll be back next week thank you thanks guys bye